We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! Say something good up there? Yeah. Uh, I said it has in the first half, not going to lie. That has in the first half, not going to lie. But, and here we are now. And I called that. I called that in the second quarter. I said, I can't wait at the end of the game. I'm going to be able to say this to the entire world. Called it. And then we did it. I can't wait at the end of the game. I'm going to say, hey, they had us in the first half. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait till after the game and I get to say, you know what? They had us in the first half. Keep singing it. Have fun. Encourage you guys. Right? You're the guy. George Kittle called it. Sort of like I called it with the Miley Cyrus song, see? Everyone's favorite Bears fan, non-Bear. Everyone's favorite Bears fan, non-Bear, in football. In football. George Kittle. He loves the Bears. Freaking loves the Bears. I love the Bears. Join 670, the score. That's us and Circa Sports Illinois for the big game party. Guess what it is? It's the day of the big game. It's Sunday. This Sunday, February 11th at Benchmark in Old Town. Who's going to be there? Who's not? Mully and Haw, the Bernstein and Holmes show with Layla Rahimi, Parkins and Spiegel, we're all broadcasting live from noon to 3 p.m., getting you ready for the big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. What will we be discussing, debating? I know they're planning right now. Maybe it'll be provocative questions like, is Brock Purdy elite? (laughs) Yes, those are the types of things. Um, one follow-up on the Caleb Williams thing. Let me just finish this up. Sorry. You, you must have at least $100 in your Circa Sports Illinois app to attend. Doors open at noon, circasports.com to sign up. So here's the thing. You and I were talking about it during the break. Even if, if, if and again, all of this is us spelunking down the rabbit hole. Even if Caleb Williams has designs on playing for his hometown team. If he wants to go to Washington, Lincoln Riley is trying to help him get to Washington because Cliff Kingsbury is there. The Bears are under no obligation to help Caleb Williams get to Washington. Correct. The Bears. They can deal with anybody. Even if, if Caleb comes in and tanks these interviews, the Bears can be like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to trade our picks to New England. They can just they don't have to then trade the picks and then then Caleb and his crew, if this is what they want to do, and I'm not saying they do, but if this is what they want, then they got to do the whole thing over again with whomever. The Bears would then be in a position to I have to find the best deal, mm-hmm. not I am here to get Caleb Williams to DC. And even if Caleb Williams said, no matter who has that number one pick. Unless it's Washington, I'm not playing for them. He could say that. And the Bears are like, okay, great. Whatever. Thank you you for your time and your honesty. Yeah, you thanks for your candor. You do whatever you gotta do. We'll so will we we'll do whatever we have to do to try to win a Super Bowl. Thank but now that we have that knowledge, we can go ahead. Yeah, we can we can more intelligently go about our business to try and find what's best for us. 
because we have the number one pick. Here's Anthony Heron. He is on Twitter at Big Ant Heron, analyst for the score, Fox 32, Big Ten Network, is uh, here in studio. How are you? Hello, Daniel. Hello, Loho. How are you? We're great. How are you? I'm doing great, man. The uh, I, I apologize if I walk in with the over, overwhelming scent of weed on me. My, my ride share getting up here was was rather shagadocious. Oh. Know, make, making its way up the street. This is... This is Jason's old excuse. Really? When he used to take the red line. It's to, not me. He used to take the red line to school every day. And I'm like, smoke weed every day. I'm like, why do you smell like a blunt? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, Dad. Okay. So I'm on the red line. <laughs> like, Blame the red he's line. He's like, he's like, right, this, this yeah, guy sits. He's like, this right. guy sits down right next to me sure. and just fires one off. I'm like, the- really no. And I don't know, because I guess of the as options. As soon as he got south of Madison, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Of the options to downgrade a ride, one of the things they could list would be like, all right, was the vehicle cleanly or not? I could be misjudging. The The ride share that I used, maybe the vehicle was fine, but he had these long, thick, blonde dreads. That maybe it was the dreads that smelled like the they had captured, of weed. They yeah. had captured weed. Yeah. Or he Could've was or CBD doing, oil. doing the old, no, the serious old school dreads where you use the resin to help him lock up. Really? Oh okay. yeah. Like that's that's like real Rasta stuff yeah. there. All right. He, he might have been all about it. Okay. I don't know. I just know I stepped in and was like, all right, this is <laughs> this is gonna be a, well, fortunately it's a short ride. I don't live too far <laughs> or away. Or you get out. <laughs> I wanted to get here and see you guys. Okay. All right. That's why are, are you also hungry? You want us to get you some munchies? Oh, you, you know I'm hungry. I got pork rinds. I, mean, I, I show up hungry. You want pork rinds? It, it's Monday. I mean, I guess nobody won anything. Okay. No, pork rinds won't be as filling as real food. Oh man, that that's blasphemy! <laughs> Big he's pork he's got a new have. bag of pork rinds, pork a new. Man. I was trying to a new, a new brand. New, yeah, spicier yeah. or something. No, I don't like that. No, okay. I'm, I'm a. I'm, I just give me your best your work. classic pork. Rinds. Give me your best work. Show <laughs> just me the old school. Show pork me rind. just show me your your best regular classic pork. Rind. Are there pork rinds sommeliers? Is that what you? you what, is there going to be I a mean, sponsorship Dan, on Dan the show? Dan kind of is one. Hey. Dan kind of is if a you, pork rind sommelier. You want me to walk you through your, yeah. your a charcuterie plate of I rinds? Do. I, do. I could do it for you anytime. <laughs> if you just remind me. Big Ann, what, what do you think of this uh, discussion that we've had in the, down the rabbit hole when it comes to Caleb Williams and his desire to play for your Chicago Bears? <laughs> the the fact that that Caleb himself has has not yet publicly, you know, sort of said anything it hasn't addressed any ill will towards the bears or towards anyone who would be at the top of the draft then that's kind of where we've gotten to i think just in the discussion of prospects who've been as as public as famous as popular as caleb williams has up to this point because throughout the entire season where he was the reigning heisman trophy winner he was at, at one of the preeminent brands in the sport for his senior season and so we were just accustomed to and he's you know not just on billboards, but on national ad campaigns. And so this is a obviously a new phenomenon for college athletes. So Caleb was now thrust into the conversation in this enhanced way, really more so than even Trevor Lawrence from a few years ago. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence was the guy who was presumed as the number one pick since he left high school. But even the discussion about Trevor Lawrence wasn't as heightened as, as the way Caleb Williams has been talked about over the last couple of seasons here. And I think it gets to the point. I feel like part of what we saw play out with Colin last week was kind of People run out of stuff to say sometimes, and then you you add speculation into it, and then that that speculation, especially if it's viewed as informed speculation, turns into this additional conversation where it has to be addressed as though it is it is 
solid reporting when that's not always the case. And I feel like, you know, Caitlin Clark and what played out over the weekend, some folks might be aware. I was just talking about it on my Big Ten radio show this morning where Cheryl Swoops had comments over the weekend about Caitlin Clark pursuing the the record. And I don't even know what the exact date was she made the comments. It was on Gilbert Arenas' podcast. It was either Thursday or Friday because I remember seeing it. Like and, she, she talked about her and Angel Reese. Right. And the, the initial comment that began to get aggregated where Cheryl Swoops was saying that, you know, she felt like Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, they would both, when they get to the WNBA, they'll both figure some things out. They'll have to struggle for a little bit before they get there. But then there were some secondary comments that ended up getting aggregated that were a little more specific to Caitlin Clark's pursuit of the record. I think Studs and Ray, you, you, guys, you guys got that now? I think Angel will eventually be a good pro. I don't think Angel will come into the league immediately and dominate the way people think she will. And I say that for people who have never watched a WNBA game. It's good. Like, there's talent. Like, these women can play. And because there are very few roster spots. Like, it's a real job. So people look at new players coming in, whether that's out of college, players who've been overseas, and they look at that and say, Oh, you trying to come take my job? Like, no, nah, it's not going to be that easy. So will Caitlin Clark be a good pro? Absolutely. Will Caitlin Clark come into the WNBA and do what she's doing right now? Immediately? Absolutely not. So this, I felt, felt like, was, I guess, the more reasonable part of, of Cheryl Swoops' commentary. But then later on, there was a different comment later in the weekend that got aggregated where she was saying, that because Kelsey Plum, who's the all-time leading scorer in women's basketball history, Caitlin Clark is going to pass her record this week, later this week, and become the all-time leading scorer. And one of the comments Cheryl Swoops made was she was basically she was misinformed, thinking that Caitlin Clark was now in her fifth season, when she's actually in her fourth. She hasn't used a COVID year yet. But I think for people like Caitlin Clark, for people like Caleb Williams, we've talked about them so much over the last couple of years, and we know about all the money they're making in college. And it seems to me that now the conversation about college superstardom, and there's so many platforms that people comment about it on, where you can be ill-informed and misinformed, and people will still pick this up and run with it, and you feel like you have to have this strong opinion about it. And I think both these athletes right now who are still in college, who, again, neither one of them publicly has necessarily done anything that sort of you know, said anything negative about anywhere they might go. Caitlin Clark certainly hasn't said anything negative about Kelsey Plum or anybody she's passing in these records. But folks just feel like they got to have a strong opinion about these college stars right now. And I relate the Cheryl Soups being misinformed about Caitlin Clark's record pursuit comes from a very similar place. It parallels a lot with Colin Cowherd and, you know, kind of just running off at the mouth a little bit last week about Caleb Williams and, and then having to come back. And it was cool to hear him on this station talking about it Friday afternoon with, with Matt and Danny. But, you know, I don't, I don't think you need to have this this strong opinion, whether it's informed speculation or not, about these folks as they're pursuing their professional exploits, but it's just kind of what the conversation has turned into at this point. Well, I think both of them represent a new frontier. Both of them have a financial power that no one's ever had before. It actually might make sense for Caitlin Clark to go back to college. She might make more, right. Like she, because yeah. of the discrepancy in the salaries, yeah. she may be better off may, financially going back to school, mm-hmm. thinking about all that could be generated from that. And she's probably right that she get, you get to the up to the pros, and somebody's there ready to punch you in the mouth before you're, you know, can shoot your thirty five footer. Mm-hmm. And and life is a little different in that way. 
So I don't think she's entirely wrong. But I, that's the reason why this is different is because it is. We yeah. got and, and and we're gonna come up with a different paradigm. There's gonna be a different way of talking about the best college athletes rather than just saying, oh, who's going to get the privilege by luck of telling them where they're going to spend the next five years of their professional life, which is, as Florio just said, it's it's wrong, it's unfair, and it goes against whatever free market uh, principles people claim that they support. And because we've talked about them so much at this point, and Caleb Williams has been the presumed number one pick so long, then he's already suffering from something very similar to Taylor Swift, where there's this this fatigued. oversaturation, yep. yes, where consumers get fatigued with hearing about their greatness and their excellence and the way they get consumed. And so already before Caleb Williams has been drafted by, been signed by an NFL team, but here in Chicago and likely fan bases around the sport as well, feel like they're already perhaps going to have this negative idea of what he will mean in joining their team. It's and again, wild. And that my questions about Caleb are on the field. Like I do have what I feel like are legitimate queries about his transition to the NFL because of his style of play. That, to me, is completely fair ground. But then a lot of things that turn into rumor and speculation about his intentions then cast this negative light on him before he said it or done it himself. And I don't really think it's a negative. I don't. He he might think it Mm -hmm. is negative, and there may still be a vocal group of fans. Mm -hmm. Who is it? How how dare he? Right, that's a subjective thing. If he doesn't want us, we don't want him. I don't have a problem with it. Go ahead. I think we all just have to understand this is the world we live in now, and that's okay. I think that's that's probably a a far more nuanced, I I think, look at it than because a lot of fan bases would feel jilted by the the guy who may be the best player in this draft, may could turn into the best player in their franchise's history saying, I don't want to come play for you. And I can understand where people would feel jilted about that. That's fine. But if a Bears fan doesn't understand why a quarterback wouldn't want to come to the Bears, you're not paying attention <laughs> to anything. Where you been? I, mean, you're the, uh, I guarantee you it's the same guy wearing the Bears jersey with all of the crossed out quarterback names and making fun of the team, complaining about how they never have a quarterback. You can't be the same guy that then wonders why a quarterback doesn't trust the the developmental structure here. You have all people you should know better. And so really then the angst could be directed more at the Bears for not looking like they've actually developed a quarterback and that it's a good landing ground for a QB. It shouldn't be at the prospect. It should be at the team that isn't a good landing ground for them. Of course it it, it should be. Uh, But but like we were saying before you jumped on, like the Bears don't have to – if this is – true at all mm-hmm. and and we are trying very hard to make Which, sure according that according to caleb and his camp it is not it is up not to this point the bears are under no obligation to help caleb nor the the washington commanders mm-hmm. they're here to help themselves and if they find out at the end of this that it is true then they have to pivot and turn to whatever it is that they think that the the next best option if the next best best option is well we have a quarterback that we kind of like anyway Instead of trading him, we're going to trade this pick. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get more stuff to surround him similarly, hopefully similarly, to what the 49ers have with Brock Purdy. And, and, and you get to see what's the, the top prospect versus the guy at the end of the draft with a whole bunch of talent around him, which one of those things is, is a better way to build a team. And the answer is probably either way. Like if you can get a a Patrick Mahomes, obviously you're gonna you're gonna have him. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if you can also just say, hey, maybe our quarterback isn't the best, but he's really good, 
and he's made better if we surround him with players that are going to help him launch a career in us to winning games. And it's not a situation that we're accustomed to many teams having to deal with. I mean, I see folks on the text line reminding of Joe Burrow and some of the rumors there as he entered the NFL. And, of course, Joe Burrow ended up going to the Bengals, ended up doing quite well so far in his time in Cincinnati. So rumor or not, you know, Caleb Williams could, and, and I would say at this point is still likely to end up here as the Bears quarterback. But if he doesn't, that's certainly not the only route towards success. And there's, I sent you guys a list when I was in with you last week. I've talked about it on the station a few times here lately. Over the last quarter century, there's so half the league has had more success than the Bears throughout this century of the 2000s and beyond here and been in the playoffs more consistently, competed for more Super Bowls without necessarily having like the guy, like that guy. And the teams who've done it at, a, at the most consistent level because they had a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Famer quarterback, the Colts are the only one who had that number one overall pick and had that Hall of Famer at quarterback. The Packers didn't draft Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre at number one overall and then become great. They got them both there and developed them into greatness. Drew Brees was not great before he got to the New Orleans Saints. He got with Sean Payton and was developed into that greatness. So there, there are a lot of paths toward this that don't involve drafting a rookie at number one overall. And so many franchises in the National Football League. Most of them League, fail. Most of them do fail. Now, if you got a shot at the dude and you draft him and you're confident that's the dude, then yes, that is definitively the route to go down. But most of the times this works out, it's not because you have the number one overall pick and that guy just cures all your ails. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, let's talk about the Super Bowl with Big Ann here. Okay. Let's get his thoughts on how San Francisco matches up with Kansas City. Don't go anywhere. We're going to keep talking about all of this incredible football stuff. It's the Bernstein at Home Show. Big Ants here. You're listening to The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Bernstein and Holmes. I hate being a fan of this team. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I don't, I'm not uh, really talking or focused on his critics. Like, we all sitting here uh, because of him, obviously. So. When you think of him, what kinds of characteristics come to mind? Uh, steady, dog, um, just football player. Just football player. I love playing football with him. Um, and he, he's the reason why I'm sitting here today feeling like I have opportunity this weekend um, to play my best football because a quarterback him like him. That's Brandon Ayuk talking while playing the piano. I bet you didn't know. Just great jazz pianist. Does I was all, very impressed. Does, does his interviews while the tickling the ivory. I wonder if Brandon Ayuk's story is going to be one that gets a spotlight because he was a zero-star recruit hmm. in high school that was playing corner. And I think he played one year of high school ball, and he played at corner, and most places wanted him to play corner. And Arizona State was mm-hmm. one of the only places that said, come play wide receiver for us and then it took him I think two years to get on the field yep, down I was, there I was calling his games back then yep he was a very kind of slow starter early in his career had, had that and we made the comp 
pretty immediately he had that Debo Samuel type of vibe to mm-hmm. him. Is he a running back? Is he a receiver? You know, how much nuance is there to his route running? The hands aren't the most natural. When he gets the football, if there's potential for something big to happen when he got it, he just didn't quite know what he was doing at first. Now that we're here, now that we are in Super Bowl week, what are the things, like, let's say from the perspective of the 49ers since we were talking about Brandon Ayuk. Mm. He's only 25. Mm-hmm. A lot of ball left. Wow. A lot He's, of growth and development than left. Jones. <laughs> he is younger than Bayless Jones. <laughs> what, what do you think is important for San Francisco in this matchup against Kansas City? They really haven't played well yet in the postseason, and I don't know if in theory, having a week off beforehand should maybe help with that, but it didn't help before the first playoff game. And this is, of course, the the best opponent they'll have faced so far. But the 49ers just really haven't played well here through their first couple of postseason games. And yeah, Brock Purdy is certainly part of that, but the team as a whole, I don't think has necessarily been the the just the dominant outfit that we've seen them throughout much of the regular season, certainly the second half of the regular season. So I don't necessarily think a fast start is necessary, but but big moments, you know, moments of efficiency and consistency, even if they lead to punts, but just some early success, even if it doesn't lead to touchdowns. But it, it just seems like a squad that hasn't had a lot of rhythm here in the playoffs. And and then just the, the big picture story of whether or not Kyle Shanahan, between coordinating and head coaching, you know, he's got a, another quarterback that the feeling is he's getting the, the best you will ever see out of his current QB. And then if they go through this game and and one of the greatest of all time or the coach, quarterback, whatever, if the Chiefs make this happen and the 49ers don't win it, then how quickly do, do we start to turn on Kyle Shanahan, who is who is obviously one of the best coaches going right now in football. But if this is another Super Bowl where he comes up short, and especially if it's they've got a lead in the second half and they give it up, then how quickly do we do we start to turn on Kyle Shanahan? I'm very curious Well, I think about we that. need to see how it goes down. And I, I'll be interested to see in those scripted plays – what he tells us he's looking for because mm. at least with Shanahan unlike some I know that he knows how to read that script mm-hmm. he knows how to use those plays yeah. and and know that when the second half starts he's filed away this is how they responded I can show this formation and I can do this that I I at least trust that from him so I'll be really interested to see how he probes early on with formation with pre-snap movement especially and to to be able to use you know these movable chess pieces that he has access to, it, it's a part of what makes this system special because he can key in on the versatility of his players offensively, and then to your point, file away. How did the defense react when we lined up McCaffrey in the backfield and then motioned him out? They can or line when, anybody up anywhere. Yeah, when right. All, when, when all of your receivers can be running backs, and uh, all of your running backs can be receivers, yep. that makes you really dangerous. Even Uzech can be can be a receiver in, in a their offense. Good one, exactly. Like that, right. That play that he the made toe tapping over near the sideline, fullback. Yeah, right. That they can all do those things, and so it just it, it makes them so difficult to decipher how they're going to attack you. Because so many guys can not only line up in different spots, but then execute at a high level. Like it's one thing to see. You know, we've seen at times Bears coordinators say, "Hey, we're going to put this guy in this different spot. We're going to split it, out blazing game." <laughs> yeah, right. And then nothing's going to work. The protection breaks down. The ball's going to sail. And he's and not going to run a good route. And our smallest wide yeah, receiver, uh, is Darnell gonna, Mooney, is setting yeah, yes. the edge on the play. Yeah, now, Darnell, yeah. go ahead and be our lead blocker. But it's about the players actually being able to get it done when they get there. Whether it's because they've been the coach. Honestly, recognizes the skill that they bring to that position, or has coached them up into executing it better, or just 
calls it at the right time, the right position, the right situation in the game to get the most out of them. But that type of versatility for the personnel and for the coach who's putting them in those spots, it puts the opposing defense in a bind. So in a way that Kansas City was able to do against Baltimore, where they got the Ravens out of their preferred temperament offensively because they had early offensive success. And so where Baltimore's defense, number one in football, they were getting gassed early by the Chiefs, and then it impacted their offense. San Francisco's defense is going to be important for them early in that game to keep Mahomes and Kelsey and, frankly, the Chiefs' run game to keep them at bay early because, to me, that's the development of Andy Reid. All the way going back to his time in Philadelphia, Andy Reid has developed as an in-game run schemer and run caller and the willingness to stick with it, even with having a guy who's one of the greatest shot callers and playmakers at quarterback of all time, he's still willing to go back to the run game, especially this season, in a way that I feel like he's he sort of departed from too frequently in the past. There doesn't seem to be a good idea for defending against Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like last week, you could make the argument against Lamar. You can go, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to stay back in zone a little bit. We're, we're going to try to get right. there with our with our front. And we'll make sure that we're disciplined and don't lose gap integrity and allow him to get to the outside. With Patrick Mahomes, he's not necessarily fast, but he's Mm -hmm. a really good and instinctive runner. And obviously, he's a great passer. So what do you do if you're the 49ers and say, what's the plan of attack to try and slow him down? (laughs) as he's looking to extend the play, because he can make big plays with his legs, but it's it's kind of conceptually as a defense, you want to make the offense, the opposing offense, do the most difficult thing. Do the thing that will, will, you know, sort of that you want to die a slow death, essentially. You can't defend every blade of grass on the field. So if Patrick Mahomes is going to beat you with his legs, that's kind of the lesser of the the five to ten evils that you can face against Kansas City's offense. To me, going... More man coverage is what's going to be key to me in this game for San Francisco to make sure that you don't allow Mahomes and Kelsey to have the comfort of him, you know, of Travis Kelsey finding the the soft spots in the zone and Patrick Mahomes being able to just dump the ball off to him or Pacheco or, you know, just the, the comfort that comes with that. Some quarterbacks, as we know here in Chicago, Justin Fields tends to get more uncomfortable facing zone than he does versus man. Mahomes can carve up any defense, but to me playing man, where you at least have, you can reroute Kelsey off the line of scrimmage, where you may have to turn your back to the quarterback more frequently, and Mahomes can certainly, to your point, hurt the defense with his legs. That's not his preferred mode of operation. So, yes, he'll extend the play. He'll pick up first downs. He'll occasionally you know, trick you and run for a touchdown. But that, to me, is at least your better option as opposed to having allowing the comfort in the pocket because Travis Kelsey will always find the soft spot. He will always find the hole in the zone concepts. And, you know, San Francisco's got linebackers who, who are capable of at least being physical off the line of scrimmage and well, rerouting much him. So. There's no doubt. So I think that, to me, is the preferred route for San Francisco defensively. You want to hear something unbelievable that just crossed? Sure. Yes. This is from John Orand. Uh, from, he does uh, sports media news. The Grammys' top TV market from last night was what city? Kansas City. Oh, it wow. It was <laughs> a 13.6 rating. It is up 86% from last year. 
So does that mean it's going both ways then? The, the Swifties are coming to the NFL and the NFL is the, going to the music industry? The top TV market for the Grammys was Kansas City. Hmm. I'm curious, what the, did, did he say what the next market was? Uh, I think he's doing this piecemeal. Because that, that I would love like to know like how much, because that, that's a huge number you know for the, the Grammys. Answer, every time it's a I, huge number. It's a massive number. The, for some reason, every time I look at one of these numbers, the market that always grabs my eye that, that appears is Providence. You notice that, like, for I don't know why the the, the pro, whatever it is, uh, hockey, football, something you'll see Providence mm. or like Richmond or something on yeah. there. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, there's always some weird TV viewing markets that have odd tastes. So I will be curious to see the top ten at this markets. early part of the year between you know having the Grammys, the the Oscars will be coming up pretty soon. We obviously got the Super Bowl where. And the Pro Bowl was over the weekend, the Pro Bowl games. Oh, and speaking of Oscars, by the way, Mr. Holmes, Professor uh, Cinema, did you see how many nominations Asteroid City got? One. None. Damn it. Mm. You said it was going to get all of them. I haven't seen it yet. Is it Don't. Worth my time? It's Wes Anderson, it's, and it's going to be. That's why okay. I'm messing with him, because okay. I'm like, oh, it's going to get all the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't even disagree with you, but maybe, <laughs> so shut up. maybe finally, people the world, up. maybe people realize that Wes Anderson is insufferable. I mean, I liked his early stuff. It's just I've stopped watching them because it's just kind of a one trick thing. Like they all look the same, they all sound the same. The plot is very similar over and over again. Oh my god! You, early, you, it seemed clever. Now you, you just want to ball bat everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just no one's likable. Every they all scene talk is slow. just flamethrower to yeah. everybody. And it's just yeah. like, in that movie has so many people that you love in it. It mm. doesn't matter. I know. Because they're in this twee little dollhouse of a movie. <laughs> yes. I just want to kick it over. Yeah, it was it was cute all at right, first. There. But now a- I want more. of nothing. I I, I, that, that's been in the back of my head for a while. <laughs> you know it's going to get all the awards. You can't get any awards. They're not nominated for any. Kiss my ass. <laughs> But I do think, like, whether it's the Grammys, the Oscars, the Pro Bowl games, people still watch this stuff. Sure. But I think there's so much complaint about them, though. Of course, it's Tracy Chapman and who was it, Luke Combs, right? They're doing the fast hey, car. It was and good. It was really good. But then, you know, you get folks who afterwards are like, who cares about the Grammys? You just get the inevitable social media reaction of, why do we care about this? Who cares about the Grammys? Who wants to watch the Pro Bowl games? But millions of people still tune in for all this stuff. But as opposed to appreciating the kind of the pinnacle of artistry and entertainment and all these you know, endeavors where you, you have the awards show or the awards season at the end of it to say last year, this was the best of the best. And so now we're going to honor the best of the best from the previous year or from the history of our sport. But then you still get that reaction afterwards of folks trying to claim they don't care about it when there are millions upon millions of people on an annual basis who tune in for this, tune in to see who's got the awards and the ones who have the awards who's on the playing surface or who's singing the songs and everybody come together. Who are the actors in the biggest and best movies of the year? So I, I just, the, the reaction to these events that all kind of culminate at the start of the following season, I do find it comical that everyone tries to claim they don't care about those items when millions of people obviously do. And they're on social media reacting to the fact that they supposedly don't care. I, I enjoy your social analysis there. Yeah. That is on point. Like the only reason the Pro Bowl changed, yes, it didn't look like the regular season version of it. The only reason it changed because so many people on social media went on and complained about the fact that it didn't look like the regular season game. Millions of people were still watching the Pro Bowl. Now we got the Pro Bowl games instead, so hopefully folks will be less annoyed by that. Yes. Well, no, they'll, they'll still be not. annoyed. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Johnson, by the way, saved the Pro right? Bowl for the right? NFC. Uh-huh. It's not the Pro 
Pro Bowl. It's totally Pro, it Pro Bowl games. Pro Bowl games. Pro Bowl games. I got in a discussion in the with, flag football game on Friday night. There was a, a woman at Mariano's who was pouring samples of of various drinks. And she had this big logo there. And she's like, yeah, the Pro Bowl is this weekend. <laughs> like, that logo is not up to date, first of all. <laughs> and I said, I said, second of all, you know they don't really have a Pro Bowl anymore. Which, it's, of course, she didn't know. She's like, no, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, just you probably know that mm-hmm. maybe it's better off you're pitching this stuff for the Grammys. You know, people are going to maybe have a Grammys party or something like that. I don't think people are getting together <laughs> Buying Reposado tequila <laughs> for, the, for the Pro Bowl, <laughs> but maybe uh, for the big game though coming up the following week. Well, that that's why they're there this week. I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. so they're yeah. So this is a good time for for uh, discounts and for free samples, especially on the Thursday and Friday. You can walk around and, and find all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, I don't mind cool stuff. Oh no, or samples. No, frankly, yeah, free samples of tequila. Yeah, yeah. The problem it depends is, on the tequila. Are really? What do you like? Well, I hadn't tried eighteen hundred until we went on vacation last year, and that was that was that was different for the me. The silver, yes, yeah. yes, that was a very different That's experience very for me. The tequila clean, than I had before. That that that, it, that also is it crisp and clean. <laughs> no caffeine. No, this is your second Jeffrey Holder reference. <laughs> We're gonna do as many as we can. Yeah, eighteen hundred is good. It mixes very well. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was at a resort, and they was like, "Hey, we pouring them." I was like, "All right, I'm drinking them." So that was that was nice. I hadn't had it before. That's a good attitude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I went back the next night too. It was good. Oh, so the next time we head over to series, you invite Big Ant. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm right here. You live far away from series. I don't get to go to series. He's, he's closer to series than you. So and he's black. <laughs> So I am black, and it was a meeting of the 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 folks of the National <laughs> Association of Black Journalists. But Shane was there. He's the whitest white that ever whited. <laughs> He's a friend of the community. I know he is. But if Shane isn't too white, then I'm not. Like I said, he's a friend of the community. <laughs> he's Shane Rizan. I mean. The guy actually has a dairy farm in Ireland. <laughs> Fun kidding. fact about Shane. Yes. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. He's like super white. <laughs> super white. Is that on his business card? I think so. <laughs> Thanks, Big Ant. Yeah, thank you. All right. See ya. High Noon is next. I, there's a cinematic debate to be had. About, about one of our favorites you just left us. So I'm going to share something, and then we're going to talk about it. Next, here on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? It's time for high noon, and uh, after hearing what we were going to talk about, Anthony Heron decided he didn't want to leave. <laughs> All right, See, so, that's a tease. Yes, well, you, know, yes. you know you've got a successful tease when, <laughs> really when the guest is like, yeah, I'm not i got to stay for this. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what I have to play for High Noon is a little long, so I'll save it for tomorrow. Oh. It'll it, it's, it's, it's Stallone talking about Carl Weathers, right. but we might as well just get into the conversation about Carl Weathers and Apollo Creed. Go. Okay. The first person I saw tweet about this was our guy Richard Deitch, who we had on last week as a guest. So I brought it up when we recorded the Organizations Win Championships podcast on Friday as just a little thing to talk about as we noted the passing of Carl Weathers. The Rocky movies have always been very important to my OWC co-host. Huge, huge, huge fan. At one point was Rocky for Halloween in third grade. I had to put all the fake bruises on his face and we taped his hands up and he had the sweatsuit so here's the question 
I went as Chubbs one time for Halloween, by the way. That's a separate conversation. Did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had the, yes, had the, the, the hand is in the deal and the glove is here and we tape it on. That's yeah. so cool. Uh, the famous beach sprint, series of beach sprints in Rocky Three. We know that, at, that eventually there's a climactic moment when Rocky finds the eye of the tiger. He beats Apollo in the beach sprint. They frolic in the surf in their tight shorts and their... With their rippling and, muscles. And their rippling muscles and their striped <laughs> socks in one of the gayest scenes in movie history. And we all know that, but that's not why you call. When we watch it closely, we see it's obvious for sure that Carl Weathers is letting Sylvester Stallone win. It's comical in slow motion. Mm. His cheeks are puffing out and he's trying to pump his fists and he's as he runs and he's looking sideways oh my god i'm losing am i still waiting on you and, and it's hilarious because this is a former nfl linebacker against a, a dude who's like my height <laughs> against you he's essentially he's, a, he's against you significantly on shorter than you dude. i don't think really? so. maybe an inch yeah. shorter. Maybe i'm shrinking so the question isn't did Carl Weathers let Sylvester Stallone win? The question is, are we watching Apollo let Rocky win? I love that question so and much. What's, and I hadn't thought of it that way. I, I had always presumed that Rocky won. And then when, when we talked about it on the pod, I, and I, I learned this. Jason said he had always presumed, from the moment he first saw it, his presumption was that it was Apollo letting Rocky win because it's what his confidence needed. All right, let me let me argue the negative on this. Considering how the training started between the two of them and where you have Apollo literally <laughs> punching him in the face punching over him over in the face just pummeling him like saying you need to get your your bleep together and then throwing him in the pool knowing that that man couldn't swim. <laughs> And then running over and over again, I'm I'm going to argue. There is no tomorrow. Yes, there is no tomorrow. I'm going to argue that Apollo did not let him win. That that through Rocky leaning up his body and perseverance and, and gaining rhythm, by gaining the way. It was very important. Very important when you're trying to box, you got to gain some rhythm. What are you doing? Well, you can't dance to the music. You ain't got the rhythm. I don't sweat you. So, so I'm going to say that because, like, it has to happen that way. But I don't think Apollo gives anything. It's and not in his nature. It's, not in, it's, it's so much not in his nature that that's how does the movie end? Ding, With ding. him getting ready to beat his hind parts again yep. after the movie ends. And, and you know, him saying, you know, I, I may have taught you all the stuff that you know, but I haven't taught you all the stuff that I know. So I'm going to argue that Rocky won that race on the beach, which makes it even more ridiculous. <laughs> of because course. there isn't a there isn't a single scintilla of possibility <laughs> that even if you juiced him up with all of those fabulous drugs he was on in the next movie, 
even if you did all of that. Dan. Which, which by the way. There's no you, easy you, way out. Yes, but you talk about the irony. No shortcut, the, the irony of showing Ivan Drago with the needle in Ivan him. Ivan Drago. And, and then, uh, Ivan Drago. <laughs> and, then they, and then they show Sylvester Stallone with, like, the body of a 24-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, gee, really? I, you think you think that's the guy on steroids? <laughs> right. A dude thinks so. I don't know. how many. That was like, I don't know. I've heard it's of like six a packs. Pack. Oh, yes, I on. mean, they yeah. were just abs on top of abs on top of abs. That, it was ridiculous. It streamed man. the early days of human growth hormones. <laughs> Come on, man. man. Right. I, you can laugh out loud. Like, oh, this dirty Soviet <laughs> yeah, with all right. these drugs. All <laughs> this technology where all I need is a log and some boots <laughs> right. and a fire. But wait a second. I, are you guys saying that Rocky didn't get that ripped up throwing around hay bales on whatever that farm thing he was at for the whole training montage. Somehow in the first two Siberian movies. Siberian farm. He was approximately, a bunch of HGH there. He was approximately 33% body fat in the first two movies and then from there on out he was about 3% body fat what, for the rest of his life. Was he like 40 years old? And how old was he? Yeah, I mean, he, was he was old and washed up in Rocky 1. And then they made <laughs> no, six more wasn't. movies. He's yes, he was the old, and, washed up. No, the fighter. Can I say Palooka? Is Palooka? Yeah, uh, okay. Palooka's All right. okay. Sure. All right, yeah. Jobber. He yeah, was he yeah. was an old washed up jobber in uh, Rocky One, which yes. was the whole point. <laughs> and then you know, <laughs> it's like exactly the sequence you watch those movies in. Though for me as a kid, Rocky Four was the first one that I saw, so I saw them out of sequence. So my impression of Paulie was very Wait, different, having seen that one first and then watching them in the opposite order, getting a sense for like, oh, Paulie's. Kind of a bad guy in the first couple of movies. I didn't really recognize that because in Rocky Four, he's just kind of the comedy sidekick by this. Yeah. Well, I was thirty-eight. Thirty-eight in Rocky Four. Thirty-eight. Now, see that that says that. that says twelve pack. That says <laughs> right. All he did was he just stopped eating bread uh-huh. and then and ran, up, ran up a mountain and, 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 and put the chopped some wood. Uh-huh. Yeah, did the did the the sit ups when they're holding his feet? And yeah, he's leaning on the hayloft. He's outrunning a Mercedes Benz in the snow. All that good stuff. USA, USA, USA. If I can change, if you can change. Living in America, we all can change. There's Gorbachev. He's all. He's over there. And he right. stands. Yeah. That's my favorite scene. Where when Gorbachev stood up right. and the dude from the the Soviet sports didn't stand up and Gorbachev yeah. was like, "You better stand your ass up." Do you like having two hands? All right, stand up and clap together. You better get your ass up right now. But not leave me hanging. That's high noon. <laughs> Dan Wiederer talks Bears and Super Bowl next on The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.